during the week before Christmas, I gathered right up here with some, with our fellow staff members as we walked through all the moving parts and pieces of our Christmas Eve pageant, the five o'clock service. And while we were organizing and seeing what would go where and who would do what and when, our fellow staff member, our custodian, Kevin, walked in this door holding the manger and our plastic baby Jesus covered with this mound of swaddling clothes, the plastic Jesus not yet swaddled, just covered with these sheets and blankets. And he placed it right here in front of our communion table. And my first instinct was to avert my eyes, like I wasn't yet supposed to see this scene. And here at Knox Church, it's so brief that we get to see our Jesus in the manger. We have one hour each year, a very special hour. But it brought back memories when I was a kid of our church that would display a manger scene the entire season of Advent with all the parts, Mary and Joseph and angels and shepherds and all the animals and the manger, but it was empty. You had to come to church on Christmas Day to find the plastic baby Jesus in that manger. And I remember as a kid anticipating that day and waiting for it with excitement. And as I saw Kevin bring in this manger, I also had a pang of remembering how brief Christmas is, especially as a kid, all that anticipation. And then before you know it, the ornaments come down, the Christmas tree goes to the curb, all of my mom's nativity scenes and her plastic or porcelain Jesuses would be wrapped in their swaddling paper towels and newspapers and taken back to the closets again. And all the extra joy and fancy food, all the relatives would be gone. So when I saw that plastic Jesus in our manger, I felt this pang of knowing that in, in our human life, in our churches, some of these symbols are also brief and that the ordinary will be back before we know it. In our gospel lesson today, the real baby Jesus makes an appearance in their church, known as the temple, the Jewish house of worship in Jerusalem. He's been carried into the temple by his parents, Mary and Joseph, and they've come there for a very specific reason, the passage tells us. They're very observant and dutiful Jews, very devout in keeping with the Torah, the Jewish law. And it's time to dedicate their firstborn son back to God. They understand every good gift is coming from God. So if it's your firstborn son, you return that gift and give God a small payment by way of sacrifice. For Mary and Joseph, that meant two turtle doves, which was a sacrifice for someone who was poor. They could not afford a sheep. As Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus entered the temple that day to carry out their ritual, could they have imagined what they would see and hear and learn about their baby, what they would experience that day? The words of Simeon and Anna about their very own baby son left them amazed, and a good translation of that word is confused. Surely they were stunned and maybe fearful to learn what God had in store for Jesus they had been hearing things along the way when the shepherds showed up proclaiming this great joy. 
and eventually when the wise men would also come proclaiming this kingly baby of theirs. Could they have known the big duty they were entrusted with as parents to raise this special child to take care of him? And could they have known how changed they might be upon leaving compared to how they arrived? At the very moment Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus enter the temple, they encounter Simeon. And Simeon, we are told, has been so faithfully waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise to reveal to him the Messiah, God's Savior for the world, before Simeon would die. And he was very close to God, very friendly with the Holy Spirit, so used to listening for God's voice and watching for God's guidance. And it was the Holy Spirit that led him in the temple that day to the very place where Mary and Joseph walked in. Now the temple was huge. It encompassed about 35 acres, so you can imagine several football fields worth of land. And the Spirit led them all together to this one moment. Could Simeon have known all the ways that he might be changed that day? He had been prayerfully expecting and hopeful for God's promises probably for years. Could he have even expected God's promise to unfold like this, in this most least likely way, at least in the eyes of the world, in a babe, in a poor one, born to peasant parents, a family living on the margins of their own society? Could he have imagined what he would see and know and learn about that baby? Could he have known the peace and comfort that he would carry out from that temple with him out into the world? And then we meet Anna, another prophet, along with Simeon, the very elderly woman who devoted decades of her life to going to temple every day in prayer and fasting, worshiping God. Could she have known this day would be any different? Yet what she saw and witnessed in Jesus was as Simeon did. And she could not keep it to herself. She told everyone she saw, everyone who had eyes to see and ears open to hear about who Jesus was, this promised gift of God. Here's some of the words that Simeon and Anna proclaim about this baby. The light and the glory, comfort, Redemption, rescuer, peace, dedicated to God, salvation, restoration, promise, generator of opposition, a presence that will force honesty, liberation for all people. Most of these words are very beautiful and comforting, but we also heard in Simeon's proclamation the words of challenge. How Jesus will definitely be a game changer, a countercultural presence, reversing the ways of the world in order to bring in more of God's realm. Simeon says this child will be the cause of the falling and rising of many. He was telling the world that Jesus will live out God's mission and will teach us what's, what does falling and rising mean. As the scriptures proclaim, valleys will fill in, mountains will be leveled. 
Where there are people trampled down and oppressed, they will be raised up. Those who are in power and getting richer will be brought lower, while those who are poor and oppressed will be raised up. Jesus lived this out. He falls in the way of dying to his own will, his own agenda, to himself, and then literally on the cross, in order to raise up new life for the world and for others. All who heard Simeon and Anna's proclamation that day, all who had eyes and ears of their hearts opened, they too departed the temple differently, very changed from how they entered. And I wonder how about us today? Some of us come to church once in a while. Some of us are here every Sunday. But no matter, whenever we do come to church, when we sing together and pray together and offer our thanks to God as we give our offerings together, when we hear the word of God in our scriptures, when we hear about Jesus again, what do we come expecting to see? or to hear, or to experience? Or do we come expectant at all? Unlike us, Simeon and Anna did not have the story of Jesus the Christ written down already. They did not have the season of Advent where every week we hear anew the story about the birth of Jesus. Quite the contrary. They did not have a story that grew stale for them. But that day in the temple, they discovered part of God's new thing, and that it involved them. That they were to be God's publicity agents. They were to be the ones to shout and proclaim about God's Messiah, Jesus, the light for the world. And they knew that this message was not just for them, but for everyone. Through this baby named Jesus. I wonder if we know this for ourselves today. Do we allow the truth that we hear in the scriptures to settle in, to change us? And do we ever leave here changed, very different from how we entered? My favorite Christmas hymn is O Holy Night. And one of the stanzas says, Truly he taught us to love one another. Of Jesus' birth, Simeon and Anna declare that it's definitely good news for everyone. And that this good news is a message of love. God, through Jesus, calls us to love one another. This baby is love. And I learned an acronym for love at a church. Not this church, I was at a church the other day for a meeting. And on their whiteboard in one of their classrooms, it had that letters L-O-V-E to describe who God is. L stands for liberation. Through Jesus, God is liberating all who are oppressed in the world, all who are not living in the freedom we are born for. O stands for others. Jesus died to himself for the sake of raising up others. V stands for vulnerability. God came into the world. God's love came into the world in this poor little baby. And Jesus was always walking alongside the most vulnerable people in society 
the poor, the outcast, the stranger, the prisoner. E stands for engage. Jesus did very little by himself. Even when he, when he went off by himself to pray, his disciples were nearby and called to do the same. Jesus engaged God's world and God's people, relentlessly giving the message of God's love and forgiveness. There's a pastor named Peter Marty who tells of a story when he once served a church that had a life-size nativity scene that was erected every December. This was huge. Plywood and timber and heavy and huge and cumbersome. It was quite an ordeal to put up every year. And there were always mishaps. Often the electrical cord to the light over the manger malfunctioned. One year a pickup truck veered off the road and encountered two of the magi, leaving pieces of fiberglass all over the churchyard. But the one ongoing annual problem was always the disappearance of their plastic baby Jesus. Five of his eight years there, this happened. It's like it became a sport for the bigger community. So Pastor Marty took it upon himself to make regular rounds, checking to see if Jesus was still swaddled, still asleep on the hay. And one night on this bed check round, Yes, he discovered Jesus was still there. But alongside Jesus was a small, wrapped present with a handwritten label taped to it that read, Happy Birthday, Jesus. The word birthday was misspelled. Well, given his experience with baby Jesus, Pastor Marty wondered if this was a booby trap or a sincere gift. And after much deliberation, he decided to bring the gift in from the cold. And together with colleagues, they wondered whether they should open this. Would it be disrespectful of the one who gifted it? Or to Jesus somehow? Would it somehow be sacrilegious? But curiosity decided for them, and they opened it. And what they found under this red paper was an old shake-and-bake seasoning box. And inside were 33 cents and a note that read, Dear Jesus, happy birthday. Here's some small change for you to feed someone who is hungry. I give myself to be kind to others as you were kind to other people on earth. Love, Maria. Well, Pastor Marty knew right away who Maria was. She was a very tiny woman who lived next to the church in a home owned and operated by the church for those living with chronic mental illness. Maria lived with paranoid schizophrenia and was plagued by constant collisions of voices in her head. Maria seemed to know that love was the only thing that she had to give away. And she knew that that love came from her Lord, Jesus, the Messiah. Like Maria's namesake, Mother Mary, and Mary's spouse, Joseph, Maria was forever changed by her encounters with the baby Jesus in her church, in her house of worship. 
Like Simeon and Anna, Pastor Marty was forever changed by his encounter with that plastic baby Jesus that day and the prophetic words of Maria, proclaiming to him and all who could see and hear just who Jesus was and therefore who Maria was, who Peter, Marty was, and who we are, that we are offspring of love that through Jesus God's gift of love is for us, and that we too are called to L-O-V-E with God to bring liberation to all who are captive in body, mind, and spirit, to live our life for others, to walk alongside the most vulnerable, and to engage in God's world in loving work and service, to seek God's goodwill every day, Friends, may the eyes of our heart grow large and wide open so that whenever we too gather in our house of worship, that we may see God's large good news, even when disguised in the unlikely form of a poor, helpless baby, either the sacred plastic ones of our nativities that point us to the real Jesus, the Word made flesh. God came to us in Jesus. And unlike the plastic ones, the real one does not get stored away in attics or our closets. The real one never leaves our sanctuaries. The real Jesus the Christ never leaves ourselves. And it's Christ who promises always to meet us right here and wherever we are. And may this good news of God's enduring presence with us change us forever. May we leave here differently than when we first came in. May we go out today to L-O-V-E together. Thanks be to God. Amen.